This podcast is brought to you by NeuroCreative Studio, the number one provider of one-to-one applied neuroscience coaching and development programs designed to enhance your creativity and effectiveness. Find out more at neurocreative.studio. You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. In this episode, I'm talking to Jason Skisik, a man who's evangelical about entrepreneurship. We discuss the risks, the rigor, and how romantic notions of escaping the nine to five often need to be countered with a more integrated approach to life beyond work. Don't forget to check Jason's resources at the end, and you can also head over and check out his podcast as well. Jason, I just want to talk a little bit to you about the the term that you use, evangelism in regards to entrepreneurship. Tell me a little bit about why you feel that that's how you should come at this. Well, Deirdre, that's a great question. I call myself the entrepreneurial evangelist, and it's not a religious thing, although, you know, more power to you if that is how it hits you. For me, I've always been evangelical. In other words, when I have in my whole life, and I didn't realize this until I was much older, But in my whole life, whenever I find something that I'm passionate about or interested in, or even just something that helps me, I cannot rest unless I tell everybody that I know about it and make sure they understand just how great it is. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with with Malcolm Gladwell's book. I think it's Tipping Point where he talks about this. I am a textbook maven. And that (laughs) word was used. So the next word that I loved was evangelical. I'm evangelical. I, I want everybody to benefit from whatever the thing is that I've just recently found or that I'm excited about. Mm, so that's um, a real kind of, it sounds like a, a real desire to, I guess, transmit information to uh, facilitate connections of ideas for other people as well. Yeah, I, I um, the word influence has been manipulated over in our culture in the last few years, but I, I enjoy helping to influence people in in the things that have helped me. Uh, mm. And so whether that's you know, as a gym owner, I would find a new brand of shoes that I thought were better. And all of a sudden, you know, many of the people at our, our gym would be wearing those shoes within the next few months. Or I read a book, you know, this month, candidly, this month I read, um, I read uh, Essentialism and I've probably sold 20 copies of that book. By the way, not an affiliate or anything, just telling yeah. people I bought a couple copies of it and given yeah. to friends. And I definitely, it's not that I want to influence people. It's I can't help it. I can't help but but try to influence those folks in in, in having this experience. Yeah, you, you share the enthusiasm. So tell me then in terms of being an entrepreneur, becoming an entrepreneur, I know that for a lot of people, this this seems like something that they really don't have much choice about. They will come at this and they will, you know, from the time they're five, six, seven years old, they're doing things that end up becoming um, an entrepreneurial path. But in terms of those people who are maybe um, at a later stage, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, and they have decided to do something, is it for everyone? Um, When you say 
you know, it's it's an evangelical approach for you. Is it is it uh, universal, um, or can everybody do this, or are there just some people for whom it's not worth it? That's a good question. I think everybody can do it. I don't think everybody should do it. And so, what I would say is, I think of entrepreneurs as breaking down into two camps. The one side is who you've mentioned first. These are people who know they're entrepreneurs. They want to be entrepreneurs. And by by God, they're going to find a mission and then they'll be entrepreneurs. And that's great. I think I probably have some connection to that side. I think the most interesting entrepreneurs, in my opinion, are those folks who have a mission that's so powerful, they have no desire to be an entrepreneur, but they have to. They have no choice. They see the world as it could be and they cannot help but take action. And those are the folks that maybe you'd be referring to. And so if I were, if, if I'm speaking this to a listener who's, you know, in their thirties, forties, fifties, or sixties, they're sitting in an office right now and they're thinking about starting a business. Maybe they have the thread of a mission. The test for, if you will enjoy it is to look at how your life has gone up until now, even without entrepreneurship. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved snowboarding. I got a job at a snowboarding hill. I loved cars. I got a job at an auto shop. I loved clothes. I got a job at the mall. I've always turned my passion into what I do professionally. I didn't always own the company, uh, but I did that just innately. And I never put those things together until I took the time to really think about the way I behave and what I am drawn to. And so I would recommend that if you're that listener, that you do the same. Yeah, that's um, that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think, you know, as as we get to a certain stage, you know, maybe we're past our 30s or whatever, and people tend to have built up a certain amount of responsibility, a certain amount of um, kind of things that they've got to look after first and foremost. And I've spoken with other guests about this uh, as well and their their thoughts on it. Um, What do you think about the idea that entrepreneurship is a risk? Um, and how people actually sit down to work out whether that is the thing that they need to hold back on or far forward on. Uh, so certainly there is risk associated with it, but I will never forget uh, a former mentor of mine, Mike Bledsoe. It, it was just a conversation. It wasn't a speech or anything. It was a conversation. Uh, and somebody was like, aren't you, do you ever think about how risky being an entrepreneur is? And he had many clients at the time. He goes, listen, Uh, I don't think of it that way at all. I think your job is risky. Somebody can walk up to your job. You're an executive vice president at a major bank. Someone can walk up to you and fire you. That's risky. He goes, for me to get fired, he's like, I have 300 clients. For me to get fired, I need 300 people to walk into my office and fire me. He's like, I'm much less risky than you are. Um, and, And then, of course, there's the obvious long tail of that, that is if you're just starting a business, well, certainly it's going to have some risk associated with it, but you are in control of that risk. You know, as I've set out to start my next venture, it's just me, which means that I am in control of that risk. And which means that as long as I answer the series of questions that my business poses to me, well, mm-hmm. then I actually have the power to overcome that risk very, very well. And to me, that's just much better than I never think about the markets. I never think about um, somebody firing me or any of that because I'm on a mission uh, and my mission is to serve folks who do exist. And so as long as they exist and as long as I'm passionately trying to serve them, I should have a job. Well, 
that's an interesting connection then for the next question I wanted to ask you. And that's about the aspect of entrepreneurship that a lot of people I know want to resist, want to stay away from, which is growing a team. Um, mm. Again, you know, it's it's almost less risky. You know what you're doing. You've got control when it is just you. Uh, but I know that you talk a lot about about growing teams. So can you give us a little flavor of um, what you would be advising people there? Yeah, I think uh, I think there's choices that you can make as an entrepreneur. And I think the, the very first one is, do you want to be self-employed mm. or do you want to be an entrepreneur? And, and that's not to disparage anybody that doesn't want to be what I'm about to define as an entrepreneur. Self-employed people are subject matter experts that really enjoy doing the work that they're passionate about. Could be a massage therapist, could be a personal trainer, could be uh, a lawyer, could be it could be any of any any thing that you would qualify as potentially a trade. Mm. An entrepreneur has one additional word in their brain, and that's scale. And mm. so, when you really want to make an impact on the world, it's very very difficult. You can only get scale in a few different ways. We're doing one of them right now. One person can can speak to many, and that's mm. great. But when you're a massage therapist, that's a little bit more difficult. And so for those folks, if they are on a mission and there's magic between their brains, they have a choice. They can keep the magic between their brains and they can be self-employed or they can learn to reproduce the magic in their brains in a team of qualified people that they can select and grow. And now they're magnif- they can magnify their impact exponentially. Does that make sense, Deirdre? Oh, it totally does. It actually reminds me very much of... A distribution agent I had back in a, another life, and he said, "You have got to stop creating new things. It's not what you can create; it's what you can replicate." Yeah, that's a really great way to look at that. I love that, and it even rhymed. That's helpful. <laughs> exactly. That's why I remember it. I guess <laughs> lodged <Yeah>. in there. <laughs> Alliteration and rhyming is great. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose you know there is that subtle difference between, like you say, the the person who is going to be limited to working one-to-one with their clients. And that is their vocation. That's their choice. And, you know, a lot of my work is one-to-one and I wouldn't mm-hmm. have it any other way because that's how I see my clients as, you know, N equals one. There is only one of them. They need this custom solution. And then the idea of scaling, that's, that is... Yeah, like you say, that is the word that um, that makes the difference, that people do want to have that growth and they do want to build the teams. Um, but the thing I suppose that uh, they do need to understand before they grow the teams is what it is that they want from them, right? Well, yes. And, and, and so this is something that I help people through. It's a process. Um, mm. And like any roadmap to any goal, you can't start in the middle, right? And so the beginning of that is understanding at your core exactly who you are, what makes you good at what you do, and what your mission is. What is your mission to impact the world? So commonly we refer to these as core values and, and a mission, right? Uh, and this is something that most people do when they you know, form their LLC or they, uh, they register their company or whatever the, the terminology is, um, and then they put it in a drawer and they never think about it again. This is not the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. When you really identify who you are and what your mission is, then you can start to codify exactly how it is that you take 
what you call magic between your ears or what I've referred to as magic between your ears. And you realize that it's not magic. It's in fact science and it's codifiable. You can put it into uh, training and documents and expectations and results. Uh, and, and these things may not sound exciting, but they are the way to make sure that it's not me versus an employee ever. It's mm-hmm. me and an employee who have an agreement that's thorough and detailed and clear. Mm. And then we talk about that agreement. Hey, you know, every day in the bathroom is supposed to get mopped at 11 and here it is 1130. Jason doesn't have a problem with that. This document says that you're stepping on a line. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing, isn't it? That um, I was actually speaking to um, a legal expert recently and he was saying that it's all about communication, that we do have to make sure that we a, understand what we want ourselves. And actually, this comes back to another conversation that we had earlier, um, because so many people have been conditioned out of understanding what they want themselves. They've they've not been given the opportunities to take uh, safe risks early on to get things wrong because we are trained yeah. to in, in a school sy- system. We're trained to get things right. That's the objective to get it right. So, um, yeah, this this idea then that we have to get it right the first time, I think maybe is is a bit of a stumbling block for a lot of uh, a lot of communication because we're not really able to roll with the punches. We're not able to change things as we go. I agree with you. I would also add that as young people, we build our identities in in stages Mm. and in the beginning of our life, it's what people tell us. Oh, you're strong. Oh, I'm a strong guy. Oh, you're so smart with with science. Oh, I'm a science person. And so we we let people attribute to us the attributes mm. that they determine give us worth. And so our identity is is rooted very strongly as young people in, in unless you're supremely gifted. I'm going to be a doctor and here's why. That's great. It's very rare. Um so in the beginning it's it's just people attributing these things to us. I think there's this middle stage in your late teens through your 20s where it's all about you looking outward at people you respect and saying, "Oh, I want to be like this person and I want to be like that person." And so you have these virtuous models that we look to externally and I think there and I think it sometimes stops there if ever. If for if you're fortunate enough and you and you are introspective and you work, you start to notice I agree with him or her about that, but I disagree about that. I agree with him or her about that, but I disagree with him about that. And what happens is you start to synthesize those people you respect and you realize it's been within you the whole time. And now you start to look inside and inside is infinite. Does that make sense? Oh, yes. No, no, absolutely. You're singing from my hymn sheet. Um, this is <laughs> very, very much the sort of work that I'm involved in. And yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, the, the, the idea that it's... Um, it's rigid and it's fixed and it's this or that is never really going to get us where we want to go. It's always got to be this and that. We've got to be open to um, the integration of things. And as you say, the introspection, very, very important. Yeah, that's a good word, integration. If I looked back, if I if I carved in stone who Jason Skisik was at various transition points in my life, it would be the world's worst resume, you know? <laughs> yeah. I know we um it's interesting though actually I was uh I was doing some very overdue filing today and looking back just at um things that I had written down in terms of what I was planning to do over the last year the last 2 years 3 years and uh-huh. so on and I I didn't really think uh, you know I just put down the stuff and then when I look back on it it's like oh I did actually get that 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 and that done 
which, you know, I suppose that's another um, thing when you are setting out on creating a mission is that you do need to put some parameters on these things. And yeah, uh, sorry, this is like totally taking a a bit of a a sidestep here. I'm not sure where we're going with it. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So for, for somebody who is setting out, who is thinking, right, what do I do? How do I plan this? How do I, how do we even know? It's just so vast, isn't it? There are so many things we could do. What are the starting points? Yeah. And, and so your first task is becoming an effective human being. And then your second task is saying no to everything that will stop you from being an effective human being. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's hard. I think that's, I mentioned essentialism. I think that's where that has helped me is to really think about are these things that, you know, cause I have, as I'm cursed with being a visionary. And, and by the way, that's not a humble brag. Like when you're a visionary, you come up with good ideas often is you can do it anytime. Go for a walk with your dog. If you're someone who comes up with business ideas, they're plentiful. It's deciding what to do and sticking to it and having a way to break up big, hairy goals into its constituent parts that are achievable, small tasks and projects. Boring to say. Very effective, ruthlessly effective. Oh, there are just so many. I, I, I totally, totally get where you're coming from with the too many ideas. And I have um, have discussed that with previous guests as well. And one of them had a very memorable way of putting it. And he said, you know, what you've got to realize is that um, ideas are like a mine. Your brain is like a, an idea's mine. Um, but in that mine, you've got little bits of gold, but you've also got a hell of a lot of coal. And you've got to decide what's gold and what's coal and realize that most of it is going to be coal. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I love that. I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, we, we again, we do have, um, I suppose, only so much energy as effective humans. And whether or not we're getting energy back from what we're doing, that's also going to be something that will hold us up or propel us. Yeah. And as I mentioned to you before, this is something I say often and I mean it. Well, for starters, I can't do things that don't give me energy. I just can't. And and more and more, I don't try. Uh, not even more and more. I just don't try now. Unless mm-hmm. it is absolutely fundamental to achieving something that I am passionate about, can't do it. I'll hire somebody to do it if it has to be done, uh, lawn work, whatever. Uh, but yeah, so uh, same same guy, uh, Mike Bledsoe, gave me that advice. He was like, there's three types of work. There's work that you can't do. You're not good at it and it drains you. Great. Let's not do any of that. There's work that you can do pretty well, but it drains you. At the end of the day, you're tired. You don't want to talk to anybody and you just want to relax. And then there's work that you do and it seems like no matter how much you do it, you get energy from it. And for mm-hmm. me, I just never – want to try to do things that take energy from me that are hard, that they're not hard, but that are hard for me to want to do. I love hard things. I do hard things all the time. Uh, but those are things that I'm passionate about that give me energy. The examples I'll give are, uh, I owned a CrossFit gym for 12 years. I have never coached a CrossFit class and not left with more energy than I got in there with. And I've mm-hmm. never been on a phone call with another entrepreneur or on a podcast like we're on right now and not gotten totally energized by it. I'm going to be bouncing off the walls for the rest of the day because of this conversation, <laughs> Deirdre. Well, um, I'm I'm hoping that the walls are padded in some way, <laughs> Jason. <laughs> they probably should be. <laughs> so it, the, the thing that uh, I was going to ask you after that um, is in terms of um, 
the whole idea that it's some somewhat of a romantic notion, I guess, for some people and for others, it is just a way of life. Um, the whole nine to five thing of being an entrepreneur and balancing that um, with, you know, that that work that we love doing that we just can't get enough of that we don't yeah. feel like we're working with and yeah. the stability and structure of family life. Yeah. So um, I like the term integration. So you said it earlier. Uh, mm. I have a work life integration. You know, some people want to escape the nine to five and, and certainly shout out to Steve Oily. He was recently on my show. His, his show is called Escape the Nine to Five. And I agree. Um, mm. But it's more complex than that. There's a little more nuance to it. And in some ways, I'm an entrepreneur who's super passionate about what I do. How many hours a day do you think I think about my business? All of them. Try, try all of the waking hours. I'm thinking yeah. about all of them. Now it gives me energy and I love it. Uh, but it is a practice to remain present in family time, to remain present mm -hmm. when I'm having a conversation with a neighbor who doesn't care about my business. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. And, and I do those things, but I actually, it's funny because I've gone through iterations and, um, and maybe it's, it's worth to say that, you know, my two of my core values our military mindset, which is like discipline and structure and showing up on time and selfless service, honor, respect, and spirit of the puppy. Spirit of the puppy is screwing around and running around and playing and trying new things and meeting new people and all the energy in the world. And those two things are in, in conflict. And so that's the balance that I bring to the table. And my favorite people typically share some version of that as well. And so when I'm thinking about how to structure my, my, my life spirit of the puppy is we're just going to do whatever needs to be done. And we're going to play when we can play. And I've just found that I get more playtime by in, introducing some of that military mindset with discipline. And so I literally, if had the time and I'm happy to provide it to you, I have a spreadsheet. It's my weekly schedule and it's fixed in stone, which means every morning I wake up between six 30 and seven o'clock, depending on when my baby wakes up, I spend the first few hours of my day with her and my wife, Donna and our dogs. Uh, we have coffee, we have breakfast, we play a little bit. My, my daughter's about 16 months old. And then I go to jujitsu and kickboxing, which is about a three hour block of time. And then my I, quick, quick shower, quick lunch. And then I have from one to five is work. And mm -hmm. that's it. I only work from one to five. After that, family time again, dinner, and it's bedtime for the baby. And then it's adult time. We're watching TV, we're talking, we're doing whatever it is that adult, adults do. I do that. I do that pretty much every single day uh, on the weekends. I don't typically work. Um, but if there's a reason to, then sometimes I'll break those things. But uh, for the most part, I've found that really setting up the structure was a result mm. of what I was already doing yeah. when I was working at my best. Yeah. A colleague of mine said um, to me once that, you know, she planned everything very, very well and far ahead because in that planning, she discovered creative freedom, which I thought was a very interesting um, observation and very interesting approach. So, um, Jason, just to wrap up then, where uh, where can people go to find out more about what you're doing? Because I, I know you've got a great podcast and people should definitely be checking that out. And you mentioned a resource there. So I'm, I'm sure there are a few things that people can can go and have a look at. Absolutely. Uh, so we're, you're, you're talking to me at a very interesting time. Uh, we're getting ready to launch. I've done a year of service. So I sold my second business uh, to my partner at the end of November of last year. 
So for the last 12 months, I've done absolutely no commerce. I've spent time with my family. I've done martial arts and I've been on the phone every single day with entrepreneurs. Um, and so if you'd like to listen to the podcast, it's Spear and Clover. That's available everywhere that podcasts are. We also have a YouTube channel called Spear and Clover. Um, on Instagram, I'm Jason Skisick, which is in the bottom of your screen and hopefully in the show notes. Uh, I'm also uh, Spear and Clover on Instagram. Uh, and we just recently launched a Spear and Clover community group, which is a free Discord channel. Uh, the link to that is in my uh, my bios, as well as possibly in the show notes here. Yes, absolutely. Any links, we'll put them in. And I and I also am happy to hop on a phone call with entrepreneurs and help them to find the foundational stuff that I've worked so hard for myself to get. So if any of these things have resonated with you and you're interested at all, please just reach out to me in any of those channels, as well as spearandclover.com. And, and I'm happy to, to hop on a call with anybody because I could use the energy. So let's do it. Super. Listen, thank you so much, Jason. I really appreciate it. It has been great to talk to you and um, all our little detours and uh, <laughs> train departures. Yeah. <laughs> so, likewise, we'll Deirdre. <laughs> yeah, likewise, Deirdre. I really appreciate uh, you having me on. And, and this has been a really lovely and thoughtful conversation. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines, and I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. 